Everybody, welcome into another episode of Fantasy Football 101. I'm your host, Jake Rip, and you are listening to the 101 of Fantasy Football Podcasts. Joining us, as always, we've got Nate Hall, we've got Donnie Hall. Guys, how are you doing as we approach week 13? It's make or break time for a lot of teams out there. I'm in a must win situation next week, win to make the playoffs. Uh, in my big league, but in my dynasty league, my team looks beautiful, and I'm honestly just going to watch them all playoffs. Donnie, what's your grand fantasy football landscape looking like right now in 2020? Overall, it's a little bit lackluster. I've had a lot of injuries. The main league, uh, I've had both my quarterbacks get out injured for the year in a 2QB league. Almost impossible to come back from that. Um, in I'm limping. I clinched the playoffs, kind of backdoor slide in type of thing. And uh, my team's looking like a first round exit is probably the likely chance this year. For those of you that are coming over from my wrestling show, that is known as the semi slide. I don't know. That would be called Owen barbecue right there. Semi slide. You're not hitting the semis. I don't follow any of this wrestling terminology. I think I'm just going to. Yes, you're right. I'm going to stay in my wheelhouse with football here. Well, let's move on. We're going to do some starts of the week, some sits of the week, and our favorite segment, man, I'm glad I called that guy. Let's get, kick, kick, blah, 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 blah. let's get kicked off with some starts of the week. And guys, how about Devontae Booker? Josh Jacobs, he sprained his ankle in week 12 against Atlanta, and recent reports state that Josh Jacobs, quote, has a chance to play on Sunday. Listen, guys, I've, I've sprained my ankle before. That shit hurts, and it lingers. I can't imagine, given I'm not an NFL athlete, I can't imagine getting on that field, running, cutting, turning. I'd be shocked to see him suit up this week. And, or, and if he does, get a full complement of snaps versus the Jets. If Jacobs can't go, I think Devontae Booker is a must-start against the Jets defense that has allowed the eighth-most fantasy points to running backs through 12 weeks this season. Tell me where you guys project Devontae Booker to finish this game among running backs in week 13 if Jacobs is inactive. And also, I want to know, if Jacobs is active, do you think Devontae Booker is still playable? Okay, I'll start off with the first part of the question. I think that if Jacobs would happen to be inactive, I think that Devontae Booker would be a top 15 running back in this matchup. With higher uh, upside, I think. I think he's going to smash. If it's yeah, I think he can have top 10 upside for sure. They're coming off a game where they really just got trounced from the start, and they want to get back to more Raiders football. That's handing the ball to the running back 25 times, try to get a couple passes out of the backfield. So, you know, I think that's a great play, and I think if Jacobs were to play, I still think that he is a viable flex in 12-team leagues um, as someone that will probably get maybe five catches, and that's enough to be a perfect flex play in most 12-team leagues. Nate, what would you make of this situation if Jacobs is active? Because now as the Jacobs owner, you're forced to play him. You can't sit Josh Jacobs, but I'm definitely concerned, and I feel like Devontae Booker would see an increased workload. 
Uh, it's tough to play Booker if Jacob plays, in my opinion. You're you're in a, a week 13 situation, and if you're in a must-win game, you don't want to start a backup running back, uh, a guy who's probably going to see, even if Jacobs is banged up, he'll probably see 30 to 40% of snaps on the field, which isn't enough to give you a win in fantasy. I would stay away if Jacob does, Jacobs does start, but if Jacobs is out, uh, I think he, like we said, is a smash play this week, mainly due to he'll be carrying – everything uh he'll have full he'll be a full workhorse and he'll he'll smash this week all right let's move on to our second start of the week brandon Ayuk of the san francisco 49ers going up against the buffalo bills Ayuk was recently activated from the covid reserve list this week meaning he'll be good to go for san francisco when they take on the bills uh we rarely bring up Ayuk's name when when we're debating the best rookie wide receivers in this loaded 2020 class but this guy has been productive every single time he's been on the field and I'm only exaggerating slightly he's had one or two dud games when he first got started but from weeks three through ten Ayuk has averaged just under 14 fantasy points per game in half PPR leagues he's been good with Jimmy Garoppolo under center he's been good with Nick Mullins under center and in fact Ayuk's top three fantasy performances this season all took place with Nick Mullins under center I'm not taking the wait and see approach with uh, with Brandon Ayuk when he gets work, see how he gets worked back into the offense. I'm trusting that Kyle Shanahan is going to continue leaning on guys like Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk, who are just yak monsters that are impossible to take down in the open field, and that ultimately masks the the poor to subpar. Let's just say bad quarterback play in San Francisco. Do you guys trust Brandon Ayuk this week against Buffalo? And I'm going to also make that a two-part question. Tell me in Dynasty who you prefer, Jalen Rager or Brandon Ayuk? I know we have him started a week here. I'm not as confident in this start just because of Debo looking real. You got you to tell it how it is. It's week 13. The people need to know your honest opinions because it's make or break week. People need to know who to at on Twitter if this, if this shit goes wrong. At the hall monitor. It's tough, man. Debo looked great. What he just came off the IR last game and he looked like monster. We we've seen him be productive. Thirteen targets. Thank you, Donnie. So Ayuk coming on the other side. One of two things could happen. I think Ayuk Debo pulls coverage. Ayuk gets open more often, or there's just not enough yardage to go to the both of them with Mullins under center. I'm leaning towards not enough yardage for them to both be super productive. I think uh, Debo is the A and Ayuk is the B. Yeah, I think as far as the yardage goes, too, I'm not depending so much on air yards because I don't think either of us are expecting Nick Mullins to go out there and sling it. But again, Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel, they both have that really special, like specific skill set that you know Kyle Shanahan was looking for in the draft when they took Brandon Ayuk in the first round. Those guys are just insane at making plays in the open field. And if Nick Mullins can send a screen pass over to Debo Samuel, there's a 50-50 shot that he's going to take it 60 yards to the house. You never know, but... Uh, yeah, I like that. Donnie, Donnie, what do you think about Brandon Ayuk against Buffalo? And you know what? I'm sorry, Nate. Did you ever tell me your, your, your dynasty preference between Rager and Ayuk? Nah, just real quick. I would, I would take, uh, I would take Ayuk over Rager just because of Wentz, how Wentz has looked and knowing we get Garoppolo back next season. I think that's a better situation. D Hall, the floor is yours on Brandon Ayuk. This, this, uh, really this wave of rookies, both running back and, wide receiver, and a few quarterbacks. This has been a uh, 
I'll tell you what, I'm taken by uh, Storm because I thought that the rookies were really going to struggle this year. No oh training camp. Oh, my God, Donnie. That, that might have been your worst call this offseason. Yeah, it was not a good call, man. That was not a good call. I really thought they were going to struggle with no offseason and, uh, you know, no preseason to come up to speed. But, man, they came in ready to go. And uh, this is a historic uh, uh, level of rookie class. And Ayuk's right there at the top. Uh, he's a he's a gifted athlete in the open field. And, you know, I think Dynasty, I'm going to have to go with Ayuk just because that offense, you know, I'm not a big fan of Jimmy G. But if they either draft a quarterback or find someone um, that fits it better, that offense is really a potential explosion, uh, you know, with Kittle, both Debo, Samuel, and Ayuk, along with all the stable running backs they have. Uh, man, this team's really, really good. They just got on the short end of the stick with injuries this year. Let's move on to our next start of the week. Do you guys remember Miles Gaskin? I have yet to see any injury updates on this guy, but it did look like he was close to returning in week 12 and is very much on pace to return this week in week 13. Gaskin was the RB19 and half PPR from weeks one through eight before his knee injury. And I'm curious how you guys anticipate Miami utilizing their running backs for the rest of the season. Because it's hard to imagine them just completely abandoning Salvin Ahmed, who they leaned on in Gaskin's absence. But with Gaskin and Ahmed both presumably healthy, do you guys think that Miami shifts to a committee backfield? Because up until now, they've just wanted to give the ball to one guy. And, you know, if they do go to a committee backfield, both of these guys are unstartable, right? Yeah, Jake, both of them are unstartable. And I don't think it's going to be a committee backfield. I think that it's going to be Gaskins. Ah. Um, I think that they picked him coming out of camp. Um, they le- they you know leaned on him all year. He was their guy. Um, I think they're just going to go. He's going to go right back into a slot, and uh, he's going to become that RB two that we kind of grew fond of before he got injured. What does that mean for Salvin Ahmed, Donnie? Are we talking five carries and a target? You know, anywhere from uh, maybe two, three targets, four, five carries, six carries, just a change of pace, spell back. And I think that Gaskin's the leader um, in the backfield. Jake, I don't know where you get this undying love for Salvin Ahmed. <laughs> I kill you. I really don't know. It's Durnist all over again. Silence. Um, Jake, I think this guy will see 20% of snaps of Gaskin's playing. Jack, Gaskin's their guy. In the scenario that they do lean on Gaskin and he is the guy, again, he was RB19 before going going down. Uh, do you guys think that he's kind of in that same range rest of season? Or do you yeah. think? Well, yeah. yeah, I think he could be even a little bit better than that. Uh, you know, depending on if Fitzpatrick uh, continues to be the quarterback, we've seen two a little banged up. He didn't practice today. We we're recording on Wednesday. It could be really interesting uh, with Fitzpatrick. Obviously, the offense moves a lot better with Fitzpatrick quarterback. Our last start of the week heading into week 13. Kiki QT going up against the Indianapolis Colts. Kiki QT caught my attention back in 2018. Do you guys remember when he made his NFL debut in week four? He went bonkers against the Indianapolis Colts. 15 targets, 11 receptions, 109 yards. He looked like he was going to be just one of those superstar slot guys who just feasts on volume in fantasy football. But since that season, he's kind of just fallen off the map as far as fantasy football goes. But he's going to once again get his shot at playing the slot role for a Deshaun Watson who will be without his number one receiver for the next six weeks, Mr. Will Fuller. On top of Will Fuller being unavailable, Randall Cobb remains on the IR for at least two more weeks. So guys, 
Are we going to see some of that 2018 Kiki Cutie magic here in 2020? And how many targets do you think Kiki Cutie gets over the next two games while Randall Cobb's still on the IR? I don't think we're going to see the magic, so to speak, but I think we'll see the essence of old Kiki Cutie. You know, I, I I can see him getting eight or nine targets. In, so uh, we're talking essence, like like a Harry Potter ghost essence, like not that he's dead. No, 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 no. Like uh, like if you're if you're looking at some sort of magical spell, the brew, the okay. potion. All right, okay, the potion. I follow that. That was Kiki Cutie. Probably juice potion from. Sure. Gotcha. Yeah. Whatever potion you want. Okay. Yeah. That was Kiki Cody. Kiki Cutie. His rookie year. Uh, I follow now, you. We're just looking at some fumes. All right. Uh, we got a little we got a little vial of gas from the same potion. We're not drinking the liquid, but we got a gas that comes off the potion. Okay. Okay. I follow. And I'm taking a shot of that gas right up my nose. <laughs> and I'm starting them this week. I love it. Taking a so, shot of that gas right up my nose. <laughs> so nine targets. I think he could have at least a touchdown and over yeah. 80 yards easily. I like it, man. Deshaun Watson's playing out of his mind, playing amazing. Torch and yeah. torch and secondaries, and I, I think Kiki Cootie could be a good part of it. Yes, I like that take, Nate. And I I think that that's in the realm of possibility. If Kiki Cutie gets double digit targets in this game, I'll be the least surprised person in the room, no doubt about it. Donnie, what do you think about Kiki Cutie uh, this week? And then again, how many targets do you think he's going to get with Cobb out of the lineup, presumably for the next two games? Uh, you would have to think, you know, possible double digit targets. Indianapolis is fantastic against the run, and they've showed they've really had no interest in running the ball um, since David Johnson has been out. Uh, they're going to throw a lot uh, and all over the field, and I think that Kiki QT is going to be all over the underneath routes, and I could definitely see him getting double-digit targets here. Um, but I, you know, what the big thing is, where do you guys put Cook rest of season with presumably Fuller out uh, for the rest of the season? Um, I think he's a, a high end RB two or a wide receiver too. Yeah, I agree. He stays where he was at for me. I don't think Will Fuller was affecting Cooks at all. At, at, at all, really. They were kind of independent of each other, in my opinion. Let's move on to our sits of the week and get started with CD Lamb, a guy who got off to a killer start, but I have had some serious trust trust issues with CD Lamb ever since they put Dak Prescott on the cart. Uh, but Andy Dalton has slightly mended those issues to a degree. Uh, Lamb hasn't been stellar, but he hasn't been in a complete failure. He went out and he laid an egg in the first game without Dak Prescott in the lineup. But since then, he's still catching four to five passes per game. He's found the end zone twice. I'm not out on Lamb rest of season like I initially was when Dak went down. It's just that this matchup that they face in week 13 happens to be against the Baltimore Ravens. And guys, we just watched the Baltimore defense. We'll just say contain Pittsburgh to a degree in this game. I think Dalton struggles against the Ravens in this game in week 13. And even Amari Cooper finishes outside the top 30 wide receivers in this game. Is anyone here willing to play CD Lamb in week 13? In the deepest of leagues, I think you can play CD Lamb. But for the most part, he is a sit. Um, you know, we just got done watching the Wednesday afternoon Steelers football game, and we saw Marcus Peters go down with what looked like a lower leg injury. 
Um, don't know what's going on, you know, furthermore after that, I haven't got an update yet. Um, but, you know, possibly if you're in a pinch, you could play CD, but for the most part, he's definitely sit. Uh, coming off of this Ravens, coming off a terrible game against the Steelers, uh, both teams didn't look good at all. And where they really, their back's up against the wall. They need this win. They're dealing with COVID issues. It's a mess. Um, so they're going to try to right the ship in this game, and I think that they're going to come alive. They're a great organization and a great team, and I think that uh, they'll take care of business. Nate, where are we at on C.D. Lamb in Dynasty? Where does he rank among wide receivers? Because I, I tend to believe he's in the top five. I've had a, I'd have a hard Rookie? time. Uh, no, overall, wide receivers in Dynasty fantasy football. Overall, it's tough to get him top five, man. It's tough. I'd still have, uh, I'd probably have uh, off the top of my head, D Hop one still at the top. Uh, probably DK would would come in at two, uh, three. Who do you guys Devante. think? Of? Devonte, yeah, yeah. Devonte taking uh, AJ Brown over CD Lamb? No, I'm not. No, I'd Are take Jefferson over Speedy. Ridley over CD Lamb. Calvin Ridley over CD Lamb? No. I'm taking CD, man. I, I would TD. Dak I, I, is so good. That, Dak is so good. Dak listen, this all could, Dallas could screw everything up and just, you know, kick Dak to the curb. Dude, that, that would be. No, there's no way they don't re sign Dak. No way. I think they keep they Dak. better open up his purse. I think they keep Dak, but I think Amari Cooper might find a new home next offseason, and that would open up a whole new world for CD Lamb owners in fantasy football. Not, Dude, not this kid and uh, Michael Gallup. Yeah. If they resign Gallup cheap, CD Lamb, this kid's got it, man. I mean that that catch he had where he contortioned his body and readjusted. Oh, my God. oh that was beautiful. He he's a monster. He really is. I think if 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 Dak was playing this year. He would definitely be in the talks up there with Justin Jefferson as you know top rookie offensive player of the year easily. It would be him and Justin one and two, but you know just since he lost Dak, you just kind of got to look towards next year. They said he single handedly drugged Jalen Hurts last year in Oklahoma. That's how good he was. Let's move on to our next sit of the week. Another guy that we were just watching, guys, Benny Snell. He's going to be going up against the Washington Football Team. Uh, again, we just finished watching this game, and Benny Snell wasn't as productive as I anticipated him being without James Conner in the lineup. When they played the Giants in week one, we all thought that Benny Snell was going to end up being a league winner in fantasy football. We all saw James Conner going down, and all of a sudden, no one wanted Conner, but Benny Snell, he's going to be this titan who you can get off the waiver wire. It's going to be like James Conner with Le'Veon Bell and whatever that was, 2017. But maybe... And, you know, is it the cold, hard truth about the Steelers' backfield that maybe it's just not that valuable for fantasy football? Even James Conner, he's failed to reach 50 rushing yards in three of his last four games. Are you guys willing to count on Benny Snell versus Washington next week? If you're a team that needs to win in Week 13, playoffs depend on it. Benny Snell's going to get the majority of carries, but are you going to roll him out there? No. No. No? Where do you draw the line? I mean... I call some running backs here, but real low. I, I don't have him high at all. I would say he finishes outside the top twenty-five. The the Steelers, yeah, dude. The Steelers don't run the ball this year. They they aren't. They're not running the ball. And when they do, everyone can see it. Everyone yeah. knows when it's coming. It's yeah. very very easy to see. Um, they're passing the ball. They're putting the ball in Ben's hands in tight games, and 
that's what they should do, in my opinion. Yeah, and that's kind of what I meant when I was saying that the Steelers' backfield, if it's, it's, I feel like they're not as valuable for fantasy they as aren't. it was before. It used to be a gold mine. You wanted to have the Steelers running back, but all they do is throw the ball. And like you yeah. said, when they run the ball, it's not threatening to defenses at all. No, they when anytime Ben lines up under center, say like 90% of the time they're running the ball, and everyone knows that and sees it. They watch film. Yeah. They're professionals at this. They see it. I would sit Benny Snell and start someone like Kiki Cutie every day of the week. Steelers are throwing the ball more than anyone. They're essentially running through the air right now uh, with the likes of Claypool, Deontay Johnson, Juju, and James Washington is also getting some looks as well as uh, Eric Ebron. Just all those guys are really good underneath. Definitely sit Benny Snow this week. Well, here's one more sit for you, D. Hall. How about Austin Hooper at Tennessee? I assumed a much larger role for Austin Hooper following season-ending surgery or a season-ending injury, rather, to Odell Beckham Jr. Turns out that when Cleveland made Austin Hooper the highest-paid tight end in the league this offseason, they did so with zero intentions to pass him the football. Maybe it's because it's it's what they admire, what he brings as a blocker. I don't know. I really I don't understand the move at all. It makes zero sense to me. And I've tried to remain patient over the past few weeks, thinking slash hoping that the production would come. But at this point, if he doesn't score a touchdown, he's leaving you with two receptions for 15 yards. I am out on Hooper rest of the season until I see some consistent usage as a receiver in the Cleveland offense. Do you, Nate Hall, think that he can snap out of this funk and return some sort of value in 2020? Anything? Something? Nope. Hit the buzzer. No, I do not. This team is a run-first team. Baker is not a good quarterback. They're winning off the back of Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, which are two great running backs to win off of. They are very, very solid running backs. But no, I do not think this man can get it done rest of the season. I agree. Sit him. Well, here's the thing. And one of the reasons why I picked up Austin Hooper and why I was sort of enthusiastic about starting him on top of I thought he was going to see more volume on account of OBJ being gone, the tight end landscape out there, it's a wasteland. It's terrible. I thought it was going to be super deep for 2020, but it's not even close to that. Someone like Darren Waller, who's the tight end too, he's not been that good this year, and it's not even close. He's the clear-cut tight end too. Someone like Austin Hooper, I thought would be able to sneak in there, but he's barely being used. So let me ask you a little this or that. Do you want Give me Austin a- Hooper rest of season, or do you want Robert Tanyan? Tanyan. Give me Aaron Rodgers over Baker Mayfield, solely off that. How about Zach Ertz? There's another shitty quarterback for you. Mm, Ertz. I've seen him do it before. I'll take it. I'll take that over Cleveland. All right, Logan Thomas. I think that's where I would draw it. I think I would take Hooper. Okay, makes sense. All right, let's move on to our favorite segment of the week. That is shaking in my boots. Oh, look at me! I'm shaking in my little space boots. And let's get kicked off with Kareem Hunt. He has. Let's just say he hasn't been producing to his standard over the past couple of games. He's. You know, just 11 yards on 13 attempts in week 11, and then you get a six fantasy point day last week against a porous Jacksonville run defense. You know, Hunt is still seeing double digit carries, even with Nick Chubb active in the lineup, but it's at least concerning to see four receptions for Kareem Hunt over the past three weeks. So I'm curious, guys, how boom bust is Kareem Hunt going to be for the rest of the season? 
And give me your worry meter on Kareem Hunt as well. For our man, Kareem Hunt, man, what a weird season. He started off gangbusters. We said we anointed him as a top 15 back after – I did not. Yes, you didn't, Nate. You're right. Um, but uh, he really uh, has slowed down as of late since uh, Nick Chubb has come back. Um, he faces Tennessee next week, followed by Baltimore, uh, the Giants, and the Jets. So I, I think that, you know, he's definitely going to be a little up and down. I could see a lot of those games where both Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt both get 15 carries. Um, so I think that he's still a, a must-start guy as a flex. He's probably going to be tough to get out of your lineup as a flex. So my worry meter on Kareem Hunt is about a five. I'm right in the middle. I could see it going either way. But they have some favorable matchups down the stretch. Hey, crazy, man. Cleveland's going to be a playoff team this year. They have eight wins right now. They're going to be a playoff team, and their schedule sucks the rest of the way. Are you and sure? In their point differential, listen to this shit. I heard this stat today. Cleveland's fucking point differential is minus 20, bro. Minus 20, and they have eight wins. They are probably the most phony team in the league. Is that because they get blown out by good teams? No, they smash bad teams, and they get blown up. Yeah, exactly, Nate. They get blown up by good teams. No, no, no. They don't smash bad teams. They barely beat yeah, bad they're, teams, they're and then they get blown out by good teams. That's, yeah, you're right. That's what I meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. Nate, you got anything on Kareem Hunt? At least a worry meter? Uh, yeah, worry meters are six, and that's because Nick Chubb looks like a beast out there. Because he is a beast. He is. Oh, man. He is a beast. Uh, Nick Chubb, it, dude, he is the better back. Uh, yeah. We we said Cream Hunt, you know, he's such a good running back, and he is. He has a wide skill set as at that position. But Nick Chubb is just better, and they're using him because he's the better back, and that's that's what's going to happen. I think rest of the season, Hunt will still be RB two, and he'll have RB one upside due to touchdowns in the red zone. But I think Chubb is he's the man. He's the man. Let's stick with the running back position and move on to Miles Sanders, who might have more than one fantasy manager shaking in their boots. Oh, look at me. I'm shaking in my little space boots. Sanders was one of the most hyped running backs coming into 2020. And even as a prospect entering the draft before he was chosen by Philly, everyone loved what they saw from Miles Sanders out of Penn State. It was just that he was always playing behind Saquon Barkley, and uh, that only leaves your ceiling so high. But he was always talked about as a great pass catcher. Yet on Monday night, we saw multiple drops from Sanders. And what's killing fantasy owners right now is Sanders' inability to find the end zone. He's put up just under eight fantasy points in each of his last two contests. And I've got to believe that, like I said, there's people out there that are just shaking in their boots at this point. My first question for you guys in, the, in this two-parter right here, I'm going to need a worry meter, obviously. And secondly, I want to know what you guys think Miles Sanders' fantasy value in Dynasty is in relation to 2021 rookie picks. Like, would you trade a late first for Miles Sanders? I think I'd hold Sanders for a late first. I'd probably need a mid to high. Oh, I was going to say, if I'm the Sanders owner, I'm not taking a late first for him. I'm probably not even taking a mid first for him. I'm still pretty high on Sanders. He's a very uh, young running back out of Penn State. He's, I believe he's 21 or 22 years old, really young for dynasty purposes. I'm kind of sneakily high on Jalen Hurts. I think that he possibly is the answer in Philly because Carson Wentz certainly doesn't look like it. Um, they're a shell of their former self, the Super Bowl team of a couple years ago. They got to completely uh, shut that team down and build it from the ground up, in my personal opinion. 
But yeah, I, you know, I think that Miles Sanders shaking in my boots the rest of the season. He's probably about a three for me. I think if they're going to move the ball, it's going to go through Sanders uh, because they can't seem to get any balls to the receivers right now. Yeah, it's a shame. I feel like Miles Sanders, his he's so talented. And he's so he's so good at what he does. He's such a good runner, but your ceiling can only be as good as your offense is moving the football. And Carson Wentz, man, he's just been so freaking bad this season. Uh, Nate, what do you think about Miles Sanders rest of season? And then again, for, for dynasty purposes, what you would uh, get in picks a three Donnie. Those, those are, you got to pump those numbers up. He's at least a seven. Dude, did you watch the Eagles offense at all last? What was it? Sunday night? Monday. Monday night, Monday night against the worst, uh, one of the worst defenses in the league, let alone the Eagles offenses all year, let alone Miles Sanders being hurt all year. If you owned him on any team, I don't I didn't own any Miles Sanders anywhere. But if you did, I can guarantee you aren't making the playoffs. That's your first or second round pick that just freaking boomed you all year, crushed you. He's a seven next year in terms of dynasty. I'd probably give him up for a mid first round pick, probably nothing higher than five. If if I, I'm out of obviously we we talk about this all the time. Dynasty is very situational. If you're not contending, then you give them up for a, for a, for a pick. But I, I'm just gonna talk about in terms of off season, like in this off season, I'd probably give them up for a fourth round pick or a, for for nothing higher than five. All right, let's touch on one more guy who's got me shaking in my boots. Oh look at me, I'm shaking in my little space boots. We need to talk about Ezekiel Elliott, guys. What is whatever has happened to Zeke over the past few weeks? has been nothing short of depressing. But since week seven, Zeke has been the RB34 in fantasy football. I'm talking behind names like Zach Moss, Rex Burkhead, Boston Scott, Duke Johnson. I could go on, but you get the point. Zeke has been a shell of himself during the back half of this season so far. And is that a result of the offense suffering because Dak Prescott is an under center or... Is that a result of a nasty schedule that Zeke's dealt with over the past few games? Because you look at that game log and he was stuffed by Washington twice, a nasty defensive line. He was stopped by Philadelphia. They're good at stopping the run. And he was shut down by Pittsburgh. But aside from those games, he put up 100 rushing yards and a receiving touchdown against Minnesota in week 11. So it's hard for me to gauge what's going on with Zeke right now. But I've got him in a couple dynasty leagues. And again, like we talked about before, Nate, or like you said, it's situational. But I'm in a spot where I'm trying to move him. And you can't give away Ezekiel Elliott right now. People don't want him. He's a 25-year-old running back. He, I don't think he's starting to decline at all. I just think he's hitting a rough patch in his career and people are overreacting to it. Uh, but guys, give me your worry meter on Zeke for this season. And let me know what you think about him in dynasty. Uh, for this season, Jake, I think that my worry meter is really high. That offense just looks terrible. Uh, you know, Andy Dalton, uh, just they just can't seem to click yet. And, and maybe that's part of because he was out the last couple games. They never really got in, uh, in motion before he got injured. I don't know. Whatever the case may be, Zeke's certainly suffering from that. And the combination of that and the offensive line has just been ravished with injuries this year for Dallas. It's just a bad situation. However, I think that he is a great buy low in Dynasty. Absolutely. Um, with that offense coming back, they, you know, get that offense healthy, 
get Dak back in there. They have really great young wide receivers, um, and Zeke is going to be part of the train, and he's going to be one of the main engines. So, kid Zeke, and if someone wants to give him up for, you know, a late or mid first round pick, do it because he's certainly going to be a top ten running back for at least the next two to three years. I'd say. Nate, before you give me your worry meter on Ezekiel Elliott, uh, tell me this. Could I trade you Ezekiel Elliott for 101? No. Okay. I'm just curious. Not for you... 101. Not for 101. If I'm if I'm giving up 101, I think it's 101 as of right now, Jake. Who do I think is 101? Yeah. Uh, in single quarterback leagues, I think it's Travis Etienne from Clemson, and Najee Harris is a close second. But one of those two running backs, uh, it's going to be one of them. Say, it's probably Etienne or Harris, right? It depends on it. Depends then, on what's that, what's that one dude for Oklahoma State who's nice as fuck? Uh, Chuba Hubbard, he he had a good season last year, but he's kind of fallen off. There's a oh, few okay. names I put ahead of him. We'll get into all that fun stuff this offseason, I'm sure. I'm looking forward to it. That that's all depends on the actual NFL draft teams and situations a lot. Uh, okay, so what what were you, you were gonna ask me on my worry meter on Zeke? Yeah, yeah. How about a worry meter for regular season and a dynasty one as well? Worry meter's at least a seven. I mean, this this dude's been struggling and the, the stats you point out or they speak for themselves without Dak with Dak he was fine man he was averaging like 20 points per game doing what you wanted out of your first round pick a consensus top five pick in almost every league except for two QB leagues um, but Dak goes down some O-linemen go down he production goes down it's clear to see yeah so worry meters is seven he you're not going to win any fantasy championships on the back of this dude this year and I'm certainly not expecting two on leagues I have him in. Dynasty, he's a two. We, we see production, like I just said, production's there when the offense is there. And the offense will be there next year. Hopefully they sign Dak, which they should. And uh, like Donnie said, great buy low opportunity. Go after him in, in the offseason. All right, that's all we got on this episode of Fantasy Football 101. Go check out D. Hall's podcast. That's Near Falls with D. Hall, a wrestling podcast. He's killing it over there. And if you're looking for a cool cat to follow on Twitter, you can go follow Nate Hall at The Hall Monitor, D-A-H-A-L-L-M-O-N-I-T-E-R. It's week 13, ladies and gentlemen. Don't screw it up now. We'll catch you next week, week 14. Playoffs, baby. Happy football.